Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week, we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. Welcome to week 17, another Bible study week. This week, we will briefly cover why we still sin even after being saved. Now, this is something that I know a lot of Christians struggles with. It is something that I think every Christian wrestles with, especially when they have something in their lives that they struggle with letting go of, even if they desperately want to. Since this topic has so many aspects tied to it, we're going to try to stay focused. And I'm not going to throw every Bible verse at you that I possibly could today. Remember that if I say something you want me to elaborate more on, then be sure to send us an email at theisaiah43podcast at gmail.com. Before discussing things today, I want to take some time to thank our sound director for the podcast. Our hardworking sound director painstakingly makes and adds the music you hear in every episode. Without him, I must admit that this podcast would not be the same. It is essential to this podcast, and I just want to take this brief time to thank him for his hard work. Now, Let's start with a moment's word of prayer, and then we'll start. So, let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We glorify you. Let us praise you with our hearts. Let this lesson be pleasing to you, this Bible study week episode. Let it be something that touches the hearts of those who need to hear it. Let us have the right mentality, the right heart that just pleases you and desires to glorify you and praise you and thank you in all things. You have saved us from so much, so much stuff that we don't even realize, Father. Please, just let us come to the foot of the cross today and just sing your praises and just be so thankful for all that you've done in our lives. Again, open our hearts and our minds, our souls to you so that you may give us the strength to understand and to persevere through life, so that one day we may be able to look upon your face and hear you say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so the question remains, if I am a Christian, why do I still sin? As I said earlier, there are so many places we could look. The Bible discusses this topic throughout its many pages. However, for today's discussion, for the sake of time, let's read Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, and the entirety of Romans chapter 8. Now, I know this is a lot, but there's so much for us to read and get to in these chapters. We won't get to everything because we simply don't have the time or capacity to get to everything that could be said. Unfortunately, I am always limited to time when doing these podcast episodes. So we have to hit the highlights. At the end of this episode, I will give you some other scripture you could read on your own that might help you in your own struggles. But that is for later. Right now, we are reading Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, and Romans chapter 8 from the English Standard Version, or ESV. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do... Not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, 
I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Romans chapter 8 There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, and to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, Futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 
For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows that what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave up him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God who intercedes? Indeed, is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh boy, like I said, that was a lot to read, and I apologize for the mistakes. Uh, I encourage you to go back and reread this when you have the chance, and allow the Holy Spirit to open up your heart to what the sacred text has to say. But for now, let's look inside these passages. I want us to first take a look at Romans 7, 15-25. What Paul writes in these verses serves as the setup for what he will talk about in chapter 8. So it is so vital for us to understand these verses. We know from elsewhere in the Bible that Paul was saved undoubtedly. Paul was God's servant and evangelist to the Gentiles of the first century. No Christian would disagree with that. Yet Paul tells us here in these verses that he hates the sin that he does. He doesn't want to do them, but he does them. It's his sinful nature and his fallen nature that draws him back towards it. This is the same way that we are 2,000 years later. We continue to sin despite being saved and knowing God has done mighty things for us. Indeed, it is our fallen nature. In these same verses, Paul knows that the only person who came to save and deliver him is the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in Romans 8, Paul tells us so much more. Again, I wish we had the time to go over this with you because it, it really warrants its own weekly Bible study to break things down so we can see how it applies to our lives. The simplest way to explain all this is essentially in verse 1. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not condemned if we believe in Jesus. We are saved. We are no longer the slaves to sin that we once were. If we are genuinely saved, we will hate the things of this world. 
and we will hate our sin. We will still fall into it occasionally, but the mark of the faithful Christian is that they will hate these things and strive to seek God's help in repenting from this sin. We won't be sinless this side of heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. And if you ever hear some preacher out there saying that you will never sin again the moment you become a Christian, then you better turn and run the other way because that is so far from the truth. The truth is that we will continue to sin. And when we do so, as 1 John 1, nine says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We will fall and stumble at times. Life as a Christian is never easy. But the Bible's teaching and the Christian struggle can also be summed up in Proverbs 24.16, which says that the righteous fall seven times and rises again. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's backtrack. Paul writes in verse 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We will still sin and suffer in this world, often because of our sins and the sins of others. We have talked about that before. Paul tells us, though, that the sufferings we are facing right now, they are nothing compared to the glory of God that we will experience when we see him face to face. This sin that we are struggling with means absolutely nothing when compared to the Almighty God. We are not slaves to sin anymore. We are sons and daughters of the glorious, awesome, powerful, and living God. He is a good Father who watches over us and cares for us. Now, one last note that I ought to make. Since we are not condemned thanks to Jesus' work on the cross, and so we've been adopted as the sons and daughters of God, does that mean we can just sin repeatedly and there is nothing wrong with that? Well, no. A genuine Christian would never have that mentality. That is not the kind of heart that God wants. Do not cheapen God's grace by doing that. Your sin is grave in the eyes of God, so much so that he sent his son to be beaten, whipped, tortured, and hung brutally on a cross to ultimately die for your sins because they were so severe to him. I wish we could dive into so much more within these verses. If this is something that you want to return to and to dive deeper into later, please email us, and I'll be more than happy to do so. This is only scratching the surface. I wish we could get into it so much more because this is one of those topics that I know everyone wrestles with to some degree or another. But before we go today, I told you I would give you some scripture to read and examine about this topic if you want to learn more about it yourself. For that, I want us to turn over, turn our pages rather, to 2 Corinthians 12 verses 7 through 10. I have tried to give you some other scripture throughout this episode to refer to. But the last point I want to make here is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10. through 10. This is a point I would really like to address more at a different time, but for now, I want to read it from the ESV and briefly share with you some commentary that might help you in whatever sin you keep falling into. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10. through 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, 
so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, so not nearly as long as our readings in Romans, I know. But this does have some important things for us to know. See, Paul writes here that there was a thorn in his flesh to keep him from becoming prideful or conceited. It is there so Paul never thinks that he's good enough on his own. He needs God's grace in his life. He affirms this when the Lord speaks to him and says that his grace is sufficient for you. Now again, this is something that I would really like to dive deeper into in the future. But for now, the point that we need to note as it pertains to our discussion is that God's grace is sufficient for Paul in the first century, and it is sufficient for you in the 21st. We realize God's grace and the importance of it the, the, the most when we've sinned. Yes, we feel separated from God because of our sins. We may not be able to hear him or feel him as we once did, but my dear friends, I am telling you now that without our sin, we do not realize God's grace in our lives. Our sin may be there to draw us closer to God so that we understand and live in a way where we know that only he can cleanse us and break our chains from whatever it is we are struggling with. Many people struggling with some addiction or another have said that they could never do it on their own. They overcame it when they stopped and fully relied on God and desperately prayed for his strength. I'm reminded of David's plea in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It is the prayer that we must remember throughout all of this. Let's all pray together this week that our gracious Lord will give us all a clean heart and give us the right spirit to call upon his name to break whatever bonds of sin we continue to fall back to. And until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.